You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Friday, so it's time for the weekly wrap. This week, the weekly wrap is populated by Liston Mainchie's independent economic and financial analyst, speaking to us from Johannesburg. A very dry Johannesburg, Liston Mainchie's. I mean, everyone says, oh, well, you know, it's dry, and so I can have a bry, and uh, the school sports day will be fine, so this is really good. But more seriously, it has probably economic implications if the drought in Gauteng and the surrounds goes on a little bit longer, I think. Well, Lindsay, I, yeah, again, it was last last year. I particularly went out to have a look at the mealy fields, and I was getting conflicting reports, you know, from Department of Agriculture and estimates and so on. And I saw some really tragic crop fields. Yes. You know, the mealies, that's last year. By February and by end of January, February, they were about two feet high and flowering. Now, again, if you know anything about mealies, that's just not the way it's going to be. Nearer to Johannesburg, it was quite obvious that a number of people had planted sunflowers instead of mealies. And that is always an option that the farmers have because it's uh, a bit more hardy. The problem with with, um, maize particularly is that we tend to have a very dry January. And if the uh, corn is in in the ear, as they say, and just getting ripe, then they ripen very badly. In other words, not not well at all. Uh, and maybe you don't even get a proper crop. So I'm extremely worried. Here we are in what I would call you know early November, but almost middle of November, and we've had, I think, a few spots of rain. Uh, and by the way, the, the trees are green. Everything looks lovely. The jacarandas flowered. You know, it, you... you if you're just driving along and you're kind of unaware of how important rain is to the economy, you would actually say what you said at the beginning. Lovely, we're having another bry. Man, the swimming is lovely this year. This is my layman's contention is that the, the seasons are shifting because of climate change. And we know there are very high profile climate change denialists who don't believe that uh, man's activities do change the way of the world. But I believe that seasons are shifting and they're shifting by a month or a month and a half, and they have done since I arrived in South Africa in 1988. And I see the changes. I observe, if you see what I mean. And I do believe that summers and springs and every other season that you have are changing their dates. So I do think that Gauteng will get its rains and they will be beneficial. But I do believe that the farmers must now arrange their affairs in the future for different seasons, if you see what I mean, time-wise. well, again, you know, if rainfall forecasts are the are the good are a good thing. Uh, point being, you can't plough till you get the first rain, but it must be sustained. Uh, otherwise, you can't plant either. And it, by the way, that first rain was definitely only enough to uh, give you the first inch uh, covered in 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 water. It, it didn't go down at all. So again, I agree with you. Very serious. It just bring back our friend Donald Trump into the picture. Here we go. He has now given given a formal notice, you know, that he's not going to go ahead with the Paris Climate Accord. And I think that didn't get much notice in any press that I saw. I thought, wow, he'd always said he intended to do that. You know, these guys don't know what they're talking about. He is uh, in charge. No doubt he has, has, has higher communications than we do. But the longer longer story of it all is that on one side, he may be correct. Whatever we do today 
may only affect the climate in 20 years' time. So why bother? You know, you'd rather have the economy growing and be re-elected than, than go through all the PT and, and have the benefit arrive in, 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 in 2039. Yeah, exactly right. So that's why the period of uh, political tenureship is completely wrong. And there should. that's why South Africa has such a unique opportunity, because we're not a dictatorship. But on the other hand, the ANC has a majority that is going to probably last for another 20 or 30 years unless something dramatic happens. So we have a chance to put in long term plans for the economy, whereas Donald Trump and other people only have anything between four and 10 years, depending on which country you're in, uh, to do things. So they have to make their mark so that they can go down in history as the person that yeah, made people a little bit more money, but at the expense of the longer-term picture. I'm going off on a political tangent here, but you see what I mean, I think. Absolutely, but I'd just go back to to the, the whole idea of, you know, low interest rates forever. I, as long as inflation doesn't rear its head, there's a tenable position. And against a lot of what you and I thought even four and five years ago, oil price got up to some exorbitant number, I think, about five years ago, well over $100. It's now down at 60 So you have very little pressure coming from that. You have all kinds of pressure coming on wages from a, an economy where robots can work cheaper, longer hours, don't take holidays, don't go off sick, um, you know, putting pressure on wages. Hmm. Uh, you then have global warming allowing greater acreages of maize, corn, wheat, soybeans, uh, to be grown in uh, a lot of the northern uh, uh, hemisphere countries. So, you know, the real question you and I would have to have against, you know, low interest rates forever is, but when does that end? And I'm sure I'm not sure I can have an answer to that, but it does, in fact, also include global warming. So why would you want to want to try and reverse global warming if it's been that kind and benevolent to the majority of people on the planet in keeping food prices low for, golly, at least uh, 10 or and 12 years. Yeah, it's a question and an answer more and more pertinently that will be beyond the scope of this uh, this chat. Let's have a look at the investment conference for South Africa, which has been going on for the last couple of days. What do you make of it? You must have read a lot about it, Liston, despite the fact that you probably didn't attend. But goodness me, there's been lots of stuff coming out, some good, some bad, some indifferent. Well, again, you know, how many conferences does it take to plant a, a, a grain of wheat? Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a bit negative. But yes, the, the perception was good. The tone was good. Uh, we won the Rugby World Cup, you know, all my uh, cup runneth over, as they say. Mm. This is all good. But let's see something on the ground. And I think that's what Moody's came out with, essentially was to say, we've heard this all before, we've seen this all before, we really want to believe you, but please show us something. Now, I, I have to admit, I didn't go to the conference at all. Everything I read is secondhand or heard on various interviews. But I will say this, nothing new. And I say it again of a number of commentators, they say, what we must do is, and we have to do the following. We need to do. And each time they said, I say, but you're not listening. That is not government policy. It will require a Lachotla at the very least, another great meeting of the NEC to say, that is okay. We're going to change that. 
So even go back to the uh, mini-budget, which I don't think you and I discussed, but simply put, as I can, it wasn't foreigner-friendly. So they they say, we'd love to come and are here. Ford is going to be doing some wonderful uh, stuff outside Pretoria. Uh, And the most interesting thing about that, (laughs) it was actually a a little byline. They said, we are going to go off-grid. Now, I don't what does that mean? That because if you're ESCOM and you hear people are going off the grid who were previously quite large takers because you, your industrial uh, offtake was always a very significant one, second only to mining. Well, mining has declined. It's still there, and a number there are also uh, doing their own thing. So if I'm in ESCOM planning right now, I'm definitely saying, do we need any new power stations even when we pension off the old ones? And the answer is probably no. Yes, but on the other hand, you have to plan for future economic growth and future increase in electricity or rather energy demand. So that's probably what many economists would say was the problem with ESCOM today because the the previous apartheid governments would have said, well, we don't need anything more. We've got X amount of people that are participating in the economy of South Africa and they won't need more than this. But of course, when democracy came, demand surged. So I don't think they should be that short-sighted, Liston. Now, look, they have to do their planning and they have to take their inputs from as many informed people as possible. Uh, and again, you know, we're awaiting the announcement of the CEO of ESCOM. And the word we all hear on the street is that it is going to be a technocrat. Well, I say, for goodness sake, that's the very least I would have expected anywhere in the last 25 years. And if you're saying to me that, you know, it's now government policy that we will only appoint competent people into positions of decision making, I also go, golly, that is a step forward. But when did we take the step backward? It was never Uh announced that we were going to do that, although you and I, Lindsay, know how many people got jobs for which they were, let's just say, (laughs) ill-suited. In other words, unqualified people put into position because of jobs for the boys. And that's an English saying that people, you know, sort of pat you on the back and say, well, you voted for me, so you're going to get a nice cosy job. And that's what's unfortunately been the case for the last maybe 10, 12 years in South Africa. Jobs for the boys and the girls. Let me not be um, sexist here. Well, again, we come back to one of the problems, and that is the wage bill. Now... Unfortunately, uh, it is not going to be a good idea to freeze positions, not appoint people. Uh, There's enough difficulty at the bottom of the pile, many of whom depend on people in civil servants' positions. And I'm confident uh, in, in, in this statement that for every person working in the civil service, on average, there are five or six mouths to feed. Now, if you don't refill those positions, that leaves five or six mouths that are just not getting fed. It doesn't sound good to me. I really think they have to relook at that and work out, you know, which way to go. It's not easy. Nobody ever said it was going to be. And, you know, avoiding waste and and fruitless expenditure, that's, you know, a good start. But let's see the expenditure continue because if the money doesn't go round, and the way I sell this, generally, Lindsay, and you've probably heard it before, is it's like a swimming pool. You know, if the creepy crawly doesn't get into every corner, you will get algae in your swimming pool. 
but you don't make your your uh, uh, creepy crawly go better by switching off the pump. <laughs> that way lies disaster. So. <laughs> An interesting analogy, Liston. Yeah, but I, I know exactly what you mean. But so, what you're saying is that what we've had this week are many platitudes, and they're well-placed platitudes, and they're earnest platitudes. But they're platitudes that uh, are uh, probably not going to be fulfilled in the future with deeds rather than platitudes. Uh, so, the investment conference and everything else, and the goodwill, and the shaking of the hands, and the Web Ellis Trophy coming home. It's, it's not the real thing, unfortunately. We need the real thing, Liston. We do. Now, again, if you want the unreal thing, let's talk about markets overseas. Because there we had a jobs report, which you and I reported on last week, yeah. which wasn't good, but it was exonerated immediately and turned into being good because, well, you see, if you add back jobs that could have been lost and maybe were and weren't, um, it's going well. Then you hear the story that they're going to sign an agreement, a phase one agreement, in which they agreed not to implement certain of the tariffs. Well, A, they haven't told us which tariffs. B, they haven't told us what the impact will be. But hey, this is good news and off we go. But you have a look down and say, how have the earnings in quarter three been? Let's not say compared to quarter two, but let's say compared to a quarter, the same quarter a year ago. And they are down. And the market is up. We go on and we say, well, what are the earnings looking like for quarter four? And it looks like they're going to grow at 0.8 of a percent. So the market puts on 3% because that's good news. Hmm. Now, I'm just wondering where, the, where truth lies, where fake news comes in. Goodness knows. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you gather I'm a little bit cynical about, you know, everything's rosy in the garden. I'm not sure that's true. You get my, my, my notes on a morning, and it, certainly there are enough negatives in many jurisdictions around the world that would say to you, the good times are over. Well, next year is likely to be more complicated than this. Well, if the and yet the market is anticipating that next year will be better than this. I, I kind of beg to differ. Okay, we'll see what happens next year, of course. And next year is just around the corner. We've had some results out this week. We've got about four or five minutes left, Liston. We've had some results out this week. We've had some trading updates out this week as well. And since we last spoke, what do you make of what's going on in the JSE? Because uh, there are certain commentators that I speak to regularly that are cynical. And there are certain well, that are very optimistic. And the results, I mean, for a company like Woolworths, for example, it's gone, it's probably at a 12-month high at the moment. And ShopRite and, and Trueworths and TFG and all those things, they're not that bad. They seem to be doing well. They seem to be getting blood out of a stone. And that's what I... No, well, a year ago, a year ago, ShopRite was about 160. It dropped down to about 115, and it's now at about 130. So I'm saying it's up on where it was, but yeah. it certainly is up on a year ago. But that's a start. Uh, again, you saw something like Diskem, and admittedly they say a lot of it is one-off, but the earnings were 40% down. Now, uh, it takes a while to build that all back up. Sure enough, I, uh, I do believe the worst is behind them. So on the trading update, they fell down to about $20, 20 rand and a bit, and suddenly they're back at 25. That's mm. almost where they've been for the last two years. Yes. Um, and you look at telecom, and that came as a bit of a shock to a number of people, I would imagine. 
you look a little further, and it's a further back, I grant you, but Sappy. Sappy was up near 90 not long ago. It's now 30 or 38. Well, but the point I'm making is, you know, wherever you, you're measuring from, you can always find and say, well, it's better than it was then. A real question is, is it going to be better next year? One thing that, and even Moody's is calling for this and saying, you know, to give your market and the, and the poor old consumer a chance, you could consider dropping interest rates. Now, we've managed to keep ours as high as we have for a number of reasons. Uh, but uh, honestly, the arguments must become getting thinner and thinner. Yet at the last uh, MPC meeting, it was unanimous. Go across to the Bank of England and their most recent meeting this week, two people were actually calling for a rate cut out of nine. So it was still seven to two and they did nothing. But you get the feeling that, you know, uh, uh, everybody is out of step except my Johnny. Yeah, exactly. It's like the policeman that stops the person in the car and says, excuse me, Mr. Menches, you are going along a one-way street in the opposite direction. I said, well, it's a one-way street. I'm going one way. You're going against the tide, in other words. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. so there's a lot of arguments for for good and for bad. I think, Liston, that what's happening is that people just can't be out of the market at the moment because everybody else is in the market and they have to keep up because the quarterly letters will uh, drop through your letterbox and say, Mr. Mainchies, you've just made 4.2% over the last quarter, so well done. Whether that 4.2% was well placed, I don't know. Or based on fundamentals, I don't know. Or based on technicals, who cares? But the point is, the, the, the market is going up because it's going up, in my opinion. Well, that's right. It's the old uh, fear of missing out on the one side. Uh, what, I, what I was saying earlier, it's not based on the same fundamentals as we normally use. So your momentum players, who have been big in determining uh, uh, prices, uh, have been winning. Uh, they see no reason to change their mind, and as long as the momentum is up. But remember, Lindsay, in terms of my charts as well, and it's a point I'm, I, I always like to make, is that when a, a, an index breaks to a new high, yes. don't automatically assume it has to go back down because it's done that. The correct interpretation is to say something, maybe I don't know it yet, maybe not everybody has seen it, and maybe the media has missed it. But something is forcing or allowing people or making people want to pay more for something now, today. So be aware that that is a force and it, it isn't met lightly. And there is no opposing force is what, what, the, what the other point is. So the, the forces for up, as I call them, are winning. Now, the way you will know that they're not winning is when it actually changes direction. So we haven't seen that. And, and again, I'll make that point on our gold index. I mean, that thing turned, golly, uh, well over a year ago, probably July last year. And some people are still decrying that is a bull market and that it's worth, worth uh, attending. Now, I'm saying getting in 100% off the bottom, that is very expensive playing. And not having participated was probably one of the more expensive exercises some people did it by playing in the resources game. But again, if you notice and have a look how much gold there is in Anglo-American and how much gold there is in BHP Billiton and how much gold there is in Rio Tinto, you have to say the only way to have got there was to be outside of your traditional 
uh, mining houses. So it's just a point. I, I find it a little bit amusing sitting on the sidelines, you know, and watching other players, if, if we go back to the rugby analogy, mm. and sort of saying, well, you know, why, why do we keep kicking away? Surely that's not in our best interests. And by the way, in that uh, a cup final, it was absolutely notable that we kicked away far, far less than we did in any of the matches. Against the Welsh, up. exactly. You kicked away so much against the Welsh in the semi-final and it was it was ridiculous. And the person I was sitting next to in the pub, an Irish pub in Rotterdam, kept on, I mean, he was almost apoplectic by the fact that you kept on kicking away. And that's why you won the match, because you stopped kicking away, because you're good with the ball and running the ball, etc. Anyway, well, so it's too painful no, for the me. Theory, the theory now is that that was all a decoy play. We knew we were going to win those matches yeah, anyway. Right. So persuade the Brits that we're going to, going to do the same against them. It's not and the Brits, it's the English, by the way. English, you're quite right. Liston, thank you so much for your analysis this Friday afternoon. Liston Mainches is an independent financial and economic analyst. And that was the weekly wrap. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za. To receive Liston's charts and other exclusive content, go to strictlybusinesspodcast.com, scroll to the bottom of the homepage and subscribe.